You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news that Jesus Christ has won the victory over sin, over sickness, over poverty, over the curse. And he has reconciled the world to himself. He has reconciled the cosmos to himself. Thank you for the good news. Thank you that we live and move and have our being inside of you, Father. Thank you that we are one with you right now, that you have made us the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you have caused us to be co-crucified and co-buried and co-risen and co-ascended with Jesus Christ. And we are seated right now in heaven, in Christ, right next to you, Father, in the place of dominion, in the place of authority, where all things are under Jesus's feet. We thank you that we are truly your temple, Holy Spirit, that you are the exact same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And you live in us, you dwell in us, you call us your home. And we can now hear from the Father because you're in us. We can be led by you. We are your sons, we are your daughters, we are your children. And this is the best news we've ever heard. We are co-heirs, joint heirs with you, Jesus. All things are ours. And Father, we are innocent. We are not guilty. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And we are so grateful that our perfection is an accomplished fact. We thank you that we are holy. We are blameless. We are righteous because we are one with you. Thank you that we don't have to perform to be good, that your goodness is now our goodness. Your nature is now our nature. And it is the best news, the best thing we've ever heard. And so today, Father, we just want you to unpack the gospel for us at a whole new level. Father, we want to be filled with joy. We want our joy, like Jesus prayed, to be complete because we are where he is. And the glory that he had with you before the foundation of the world, Father, is now our glory. And we are so thankful to be carriers of your kingdom, to be carriers of your goodness, to be carriers of miraculous things, Father. Thank you that you have empowered us to do the same works as Jesus did and even greater works because of what Jesus has accomplished. Thank you that it truly is finished. Thank you that all that's left to do is just awaken to it and experience it and enjoy it. Thank you that it's an inheritance, Daddy, and that it belongs to us through the blood of the Lamb. And we are just so grateful. So as we hop into today's broadcast, Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here enlightening the eyes of our understanding, opening our ears, Father, to hear the word of, of, of life. Thank you that you are making the gospel personal. You're making it our message. You're making it our revelation. You're causing us to understand it, Father, because the spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Thank you that eternal life is ours right now. And Holy Spirit, you are just uh, making it plain today. You're teaching it line upon line, precept upon precept, speak while I'm speaking and do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Renew our minds, lead and guide us into the truth. Transform us by uh, just causing us to repent and believe the gospel. Help us see people the way that you do, Father. Help us see the world redeemed and, and in, in uh, Christ, God. And as we do this with you today, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are causing massive breakthrough massive elevation, massive acceleration, Father, in the lives of every single person that's tuning in. We just give you glory in advance. We give you thanks and praise because you're worthy of it all. And we are so, so grateful to be yours in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, today's topic is going to probably challenge a few of you, especially those of you that are like me and have grown up in church or have uh, been a part of traditional denominations or even part of the charismatic movement. Uh, you know, I, for those of you that don't know, you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt. I grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I grew up in the Baptist church and was taught the gospel from the traditional Western evangelical lens. And then in my 30s, you know, after kind of rebelling against uh, God and rebelling, well, I didn't really, you know, I'll tell you that story another time about what the Lord said about that rebellion, but um, really just not walking with God, really rebelling against religion is what I ended up doing. Um, and rebelling against a lot of these contradictions that don't make sense and are really one of the reasons why I'm doing this series. 
Uh, I came back to the Lord in my 30s, fully surrendered my life to God, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Really, the power of God came into my life. I was personally set free, personally healed, and released into a supernatural ministry by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was doing the same works as Jesus was doing before I even knew what I was doing. And, uh, but I was so grateful to have the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But then I went from, you know, that place into really the charismatic stream of Christianity and really have spent the majority of my life and over the last 20 years really in that stream, right? So signs and wonders, gifts of the Spirit, seeing the power of God move through myself and training others to do that. So I have been, you know, not only in the Baptist church, I was Presbyterian for a while, then of course I've been in the charismatic streams, and I I have really been exposed, I guess I would say, to really a lot of the denominational streams in the body of Christ. I feel like I've gotten a really good education from the Holy Spirit uh, theologically from how so many denominations are presenting the gospel. I really have a deep understanding of Calvinism and how it's leaked into the church. I understand really the difference between what I call uh, pop Christianity, which is kind of this popular Christianity that that a lot of us are, you know, really don't even recognize that that's what we're in in America in and in Western evangelical uh, Christianity. Uh, but I also understand academic Christianity. I have been Christianity. I have been a student of uh, the scriptures for decades at this point. I am. I have read probably. Oh my goodness, probably. I don't even know how many books. I mean, when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, it was like 10 a week. I'm an avid reader, an avid student. And so the things that I bring to you today come from really decades of study, uh, decades of, of deep exegesis in the scriptures and really coming to a knowledge of the gospel from a Pauline revelation, from the perspective of the apostle Paul, who really carried the revelation of the gospel you know, he was appointed by God. Uh, he said that that the revelation that he received was not given to him by any man. Uh, if you know much about Paul, he was raised as a Pharisee of Pharisees. He grew up in the, the temple system and was radically, radically, radically transformed by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. And in the 14 years that he spent uh, really outside of the organized Jewish religion, he was called to the Gentiles and he was called to preach the gospel of grace. He was called to reveal really what was happening on the cross that Jesus, you know, gave a, a, a peek into during his earthly ministry. But Paul really carried the full revelation of it. And, you know, one of the things that I always encourage people to do is to dive deep into the epistles from a perspective of the new covenant, from a perspective of union with Jesus from a perspective of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the idea that Christ is in us, that we are in him, that we are now one with him. We are joined to the Lord. We're one spirit with him. And to read the epistles, read the New Testament from a perspective post-cross, okay? Um, most people don't really recognize that the New, Te New Testament was written in the time where there were really still two covenants in operation, it wasn't until 70 AD that the temple system was destroyed. And so the context for many of Paul's writings were written in the time when they were still doing temple sacrifices. And it really wasn't until 70 AD at the destruction of Jerusalem that the old temple system and the old covenant was brought to an end in the earth. And so, so much of what we read in the New Testament is written to a a completely different time and age and a mindset, if you will. And, and we really have to understand the context uh, when we read it or other times we won't really recognize that a lot of what uh, is written in the New Testament that is prophesying the end of the age or the end of that time was really about the, the destruction of the old covenant and the destruction of the temple. And what we've done is we have projected a lot of the uh, the, the scriptures that were written to a system, to a people that were under a system that was about to end to our modern day. And so we, we really um, need to go deeper. There's a great book that I can recommend if you want to go deeper. It's called, um, okay, it's a book called Understanding the Whole Bible by Dr. Jonathan Welton. Um, it's a big book. I don't think it's even a 
an inexpensive book, but it's worth a read because it will give you a new lens to view scripture with. Um, and I would even say, you know, this book talks about scripture from the perspective of the Bible being a explanation of God's covenant covenant journey with God. So it's going to explain all of the different covenants in the Bible. But uh, I would also encourage you to really recognize that there is another lens to read scripture through, which is called a Christocentric lens, lens, which is reading the scripture through the lens of the cross, through the lens of Jesus Christ being the express image of God, the full revelation of the Father. And if, if you will read the scriptures through the lens of the cross and through Jesus, then you will read very, very, very differently. Read your Bible very, very differently. And I will tell you, there is a reformation underway in the Western church. There is a restoration of the foundation of the church, which is Christ, which is Christ in us. And we have our own version of pharisaical religious activities in the West. Much of what we call Christianity is truly legalism. It's us performing uh, to receive blessings. It is us trying to get God to do something for us. Most of the time, independent from him, we are praying to a God that is separate from us. We are worshiping a God that is separate from us. And we have not entered in to the full revelation in an experiential way that changes the way we show up in our everyday life from a place of being one with God, from a place of being living in in and abiding in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ as an identity, as someone that we have become, as a new creation, as a person who is the very temple of the of, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'll tell you, when you start to experience your union and you start, start to really live out of this place of oneness with God, and that the, the illusion of separation starts to be removed from your life. You start to detox from all that religion. I will tell you, the supernatural works of God will begin to be produced through your life with, without the effort that so many of us are struggling under in our Christian lives. So with that said, I want to hop into today's topic. Okay, today's topic I'm, I called it, you know, who is saved, but we're doing, this is part three of a series that we're doing called Christian Contradictions. And I think sometimes when you've been in church so long and you've been spoon fed so many doctrines and you have not really even known actually to go and look at the early church fathers or to look at doctrines that we are taught from a more objective perspective. In fact, we're even taught to fear doing that in church. We're taught to be afraid of being deceived, afraid of heresy. And so we really are taught to just be uh, spoon-fed non-thinkers. And that is not even just the scriptural way that, that we are taught, that we are told that we are to be. I mean, in the Jewish culture uh, that Jesus was a part of, um, you know, he was in the temple at 12 years, years old, literally debating scripture with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders of his day. He, you know, open discourse, open dialogue, questioning things, challenging things is the way, honestly, in the Jewish culture. It, they are taught to be, be uh, thinkers for themselves. That's why Paul encouraged us to be Bereans and to study to show ourselves approved. And the truth of the matter is that there are so many translations of the Bible today. Um, it, honestly, depending on which translation you're using, you're going to get a, a theological bent. And so it's one of the reasons why I encourage people to, to read a variety of translations, to invest in a lot of translations, uh, and to really dig deep into theology. And theology is just a theory or just your understanding of God. And I know, you know, especially in charismatic world, you know, we're, we're, we're so focused on the move of the spirit. We're so focused on the supernatural at times that we kind of brush theology aside. And then, of course, in the more uh, traditional uh, cessationist denominations, it's just the opposite. So it's all study. It's all, you know, logos. And it's not a lot of the Holy Spirit. But I want us to be 
uh, people that grow up into the fullness of the stature of Jesus. I want us to be people that are not tossed to and fro from the winds of doctrine. And we need to be established in the truth of what the, the gospel actually is, what it means for us personally, what it means for, for the world at large, what it means for people that have yet to be introduced to the gospel or yet to have an encounter with Jesus for themselves. And we need to be people that are not just blindly um, believing, blindly just, just, just taking what we've been taught and regurgitating it like we're parrots. So today's uh, contradiction that we're going to be talking about is, has to do with the idea that, that, that the cross is a universal act by Jesus Christ. Uh, but when does, so when does anyone get to actually experience that? If you grew up in, again, traditional Western uh, circles, whether those were evangelical, whether those were charismatic, whatever the stream is, most people are taught the gospel through some kind of altar call, right? And so we respond to the gospel from the place that Jesus died for our sins. We are all sinners. Uh, we are in need of a savior. And so therefore, uh, confess Jesus as Lord, surrender your life to Jesus. He will come and live inside of your heart. You will be born again from that moment. The Holy Spirit will now come and regenerate your spirit. And now you are born again. Okay. Now, depending on, you know, Catholic traditions, depending on where you actually were exposed to the gospel, that will vary a little bit. But what I want to do today is I want to walk you through uh, the scriptures from an eternal perspective. I want us to rise up to a higher level today. And I want us to look at the timeline of uh, Jesus Christ becoming, uh, you know, the incarnation of Christ, the work that Jesus did on the cross, and I and the the extent to what was accomplished on the cross, and what it means for those of us that are believers and those of us that are unbelievers. I want to just kind of break that out a little bit, okay? So the first place I want to go, I really have to go here because. Most of us are also taught the scriptures from a chronological perspective that obviously starts with creation and then starts with the fall of Adam and the fall of man. And so we're taught that our origin started in Genesis and that we were born into sin. We were born into Adam and that we are all basically sinners in need of a savior. Okay. Now that is a chronological view of the way that the, you know, the way the Bible is presented. But I want to challenge that a little bit today. And I want to go into some scriptures in the epistles that talk about, uh, that predate creation. Uh, in fact, if you really wanted to put the Bible in a, in, in proper chronological order, uh, some of Ephesians and some of the things that, that the apostle Paul is talking about, we need to actually put pre Genesis, because our election in Christ and our uh, the fact that God chose us in Christ is something that predated creation. It predated the fall. So let's go into um, let's just start with a few scriptures today. Let's start with um, let's start with Ephesians one four. OK, and I'm going to read it in a couple of different translations. Um, maybe I'll start in verse three. So this is the amplified version of scripture. And it says, blessed and worthy of praise be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Verse four, just as in his love, he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy, that is consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven, and blameless in his sight. Verse 5, in love he predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will. Okay, now I'm just going to go over in the Passion Translation to get a, a little less... Um, I don't know, choppy and reading it. And here's what it says in verse four. It says, in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. 
Verse 5, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved Jesus he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. And I'll stop there. Okay, so this this scripture here in Ephesians is talking about something that happens before the foundation of the universe. Some scripture, some translations talk about it before uh, before the fall. Some it's the foundation of the world. world, Some of it is before the fall. Um, But the idea here is that we were known, we were chosen, and we were seen by the Father in Christ holy, blameless, accepted, chosen, adopted, and loved before the foundation of the world, that it was always his plan to adopt us. And when we say adopt us, that's not an adoption in the sense of we were going from one family to another family. This is an adoption in the sense of like a bar mitzvah in Jewish culture. This is an adoption about coming into sonship, coming into um, joint ownership with all that is his. Uh, being an inheritor, being a joint heir. And so it has, it was always his plan. So Jesus coming and, 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 and dying on the cross was not plan B. It was always plan A. Uh, in Revelation 13, 8, um, it, it, it alludes to this when it talks about in the King, New King James Version, it says this, all who dwell on earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Okay. So hear that little phrase that says uh, of the lamb, the book of the life of the lamb, lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Okay. Again, it talks about that the lamb of God, obviously Jesus from the father's perspective, who lives in eternity, who lives outside of time. That from his perspective, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, that Jesus was crucified before Adam fell. In other words, we were in Christ before we were in Adam from God's perspective. Okay, Abraham saw Jesus's day and was glad. Okay, He didn't get the opportunity to walk it out in his generation. He did not experience uh, the... uh, regeneration in his lifetime, but he still saw the future and he was glad. Why? Because plan A was always Jesus. Okay. Let's just look at a few more places that talk about God's perspective before time began, before, uh, before the fall. Okay. Let's look at another place here. Let's go into, uh, let's go into Romans, uh, chapter, hold on. I've got to find my Uh, Romans 8. Let's go into Romans 8. Uh, I'll read this in the Amplified Version. Okay. Uh, Verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification. So that he, talking about Jesus, would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. In verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those who he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. Okay, let me just read that one in the Passion Translation. That's just a lot easier to, it flows a little easier. Okay, it says this, um, verse 29, for he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Verse 30, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Okay. So what these scriptures are telling us is that um, this, 
gospel, this, this, this work of Jesus coming uh, into the earth as the son of man and walking on his earthly ministry and, you know, dying on the cross, uh, being buried and then being risen from, you know, raised, being raised from the dead, that from God's perspective, that happened before time began. And if you really want to understand the gospel, you have to understand what we call the co-identification of humanity in Christ. Okay. These scriptures talk about the idea that, you know, Paul would say, I'm crucified with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Right. So let's go over there to Galatians and let's just look at that scripture where, where the apostle Paul is talking. Galatians is a really interesting um, scripture. I mean, a really interesting epistle because it, he, it's written to uh, the religious it's written to religious people. It's written to people who are coming, you know, going back under the law. They're going back under uh, the old covenant and they are trying to perform uh, to be righteous. Right. But he says this in Galatians 2.20 and I want to read it to you in Galatians 2.20. This is what it says. Now, if you start in Galatians at the beginning of chapter two, this is what he said. Let me just go there first. Um, no, that's in Galatians three. Let's just stay here. Galatians two 20 says this, and this is the passion translation. My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. Now the, the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Okay, I want to just go into the mirror translation here just to give you um, a little bit more on this. Let's go to Galatians 2.20 in the mirror translation. Here's what it says. I love this translation. In verse 20, it says, so here I am. It's talking about Paul. Dead and alive at the same time. I'm dead to the old me I was trying to be. And alive to the real me, which is Christ in me, co-crucified, now co-alive. What a glorious entanglement. I was in him in his death. Now I discover that he is infused in me in my life. For the first time, I'm free to be me in my own skin, immersed in his faith in our joint sonship. He loves me and believes in me. He is God's gift to me. Okay. Now I wanted to go, um, where was I going to go? Okay. I want to just go into another place. I want to go into Colossians. Um, Colossians 3, 1 is a very, very powerful scripture. Um, in Colossians 3, 1, I'll read it in the Passion Translation. Here's what it says. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Verse three, your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And verse four, and as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in his glory. Okay, so these are just a few scriptures. I mean, if you go to Romans six, I mean, it just talks about more about this co-identification with with Christ. Now, I'm not going to go to Romans six right now. Here's the thing I want to share with you. Okay, this is an impossibility. Okay, how could Paul be crucified with Christ? How could Paul say we were co-crucified with Christ? How can Paul say that Jesus's resurrection is our resurrection. How can that be? I mean, I was not born yet. You were not born yet. Paul, although he was born, he was a Pharisee. He was, you know, not of the way yet. In fact, he was opposed to the way. He was a, he was a, he was a, uh, you know, a, an obstacle to the gospel at that time. But so time is, is not like what we think. Okay. This is a, this is what the mystery is that's been hidden for all ages, 
The mystery is that there is a mystical union. There was a union that happened, not just with Paul, not just with you and I, but truly for, with all of humanity. Jesus is the undoing of Adam, just as all who were in Adam died. All that were in Christ were made alive. Like I know this is, a, an, a, is not what we were taught. I have just been reading the scriptures, okay? This, is, there is a, there is, I'm not talking about universalism. So don't tune me out, okay? So I'm not saying that everybody is universally experiencing the gospel. Everybody's universally believing in Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying what is an accomplished reality from the spiritual perspective. In the spirit, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. From an eternal perspective, it was finished before it started, okay? From an eternal perspective, what will be has already been, okay? So there is a, there's a, I don't know if you want to call it a paradox. I don't know what we want to call it, but there is, there is simply a vicarious identification with Jesus Christ on the cross, And it's not just for people who go to the altar and say the prayer, okay? Now, the people who go to the altar and say the prayer, the people who believe this are the ones that experience it. They're the ones that manifest it in in the 3D realm. But you have to realize that it is an accomplished fact. And from the Father's perspective, he sees us holy and blameless before we we were ever even born. We were elected. We were chosen before we even came to the planet, All that's left to do is preach the gospel, preach the ministry of reconciliation and announce that all things have been reconciled with Christ. Okay, now I'm not going to go into a ton of of teaching today on Colossians because I've been teaching on it so much. But the scripture that says that God was in Christ reconciling the the cosmos to himself, reconciling the world to himself um, is worth reading again. Because in in Christ, all things were created, and in in Christ, all things were reconciled. In verse 20, here's what it says. It says, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Okay, in verse 21, it says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. Okay, this goes along with scripture, says that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Another translation of verse 21 says we were alienated from God in our own minds, that the God of this world blinds the minds of those that do not believe the gospel. So we are we are separated from God in our own minds, in our own understandings. And what it what it means to repent, what it means to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus is to 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 believe, to hear the gospel. And faith is simply the response to what has already been accomplished. We simply experience what Jesus has done, okay? And why is this important? Because when we don't understand the gospel as a message that is for every person and an already finished, it is finished fact, is we will begin to relate to people as someone they're not. We will look at unbelievers as as, as someone who, I mean, I was told many, many times that, you know, God can't even hear the prayers of, of people that don't don't believe in him. And the truth is he's holding all things together. He, it is in a hidden way in those who have not heard the gospel or those have not have not surrendered to that, those who have not responded to the gospel. I'm not saying that they're experiencing, they're experiencing God. They're experiencing the fruit of what it means to be a believer. But really calling believers and unbelievers is a better word. But I can tell you there's a lot of believers who are unbelievers. There's a lot of believing is, is a... Is a Gosh, it's a a process, right, of awakening to the truth, of being led into the truth so that we can experience the truth because what we believe is what we experience. And and I'm sharing it today because we have not been taught the cross aright. We have been taught a gospel that is only good news to a certain degree. It's been taught as fire insurance. It's been taught to keep us out of hell rather than teaching us that heaven is here now and it's within 
And when we approach people from a place of judgment, when we approach people from a place of like haves and have nots, instead of announcing their reconciliation with Jesus and announcing the good news as something that's already been accomplished in them. I mean, even the way that we get people filled with the Holy Spirit changes instead of basically acting like they don't have the Holy Spirit. We just simply release the invisible reality of what Jesus has already accomplished. This may seem like I'm splitting hairs, but I'm not. I promise you, when you get a hold of the good news, the way that I'm preaching it, the way that the Bible actually teaches it, you will look at the world differently. You will look at people differently. You will fall in love with people that don't know Jesus the same way that Jesus is in love with them. You will stop seeing their sin and you will begin to see Jesus in every single person. I mean, Jesus said, when you visit someone in prison, you visit me. People that are evil, people that are wicked. He's not just talking about the Christians in the prison. He's talking about when you visit the least of these, what you do to the least of these, you do to me. Why? Because Jesus identifies with all of humanity. Jesus identifies with sinners. He identifies with those of us that have have yet to come into the full knowledge of who we are in Christ. And so it's a completely different perspective. And if you're offended with what I'm saying, God bless you. I'm so sorry that that this is offensive to you. But this message offends. It offends because it's scandalous. It makes the gospel a free gift. It, 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 It completely eliminates separation of us and them. It makes all of humanity worth dying for. It makes all of humanity worth loving. It makes all of humanity worth laying our lives down for and and serving and washing their feet and loving them into the truth rather than judging them, rather than cursing them, rather than, than praying down all kinds of horrible things on people. Instead, it makes us humble. It humbles us and it makes us recognize that it is only by grace. It's only by grace that we even know the truth and that we have no room for boasting, that salvation is actually a gift that we have received by grace. And the faith that we operate in is not even our faith. It is also a gift. It's called the gift of faith. And it belongs to God because faith is God. Faith is a person that the gifts of the spirit aren't operating independent from the Holy Spirit. They are, it is a person, Holy Spirit's gift, Holy Spirit's faith. And all we're doing when we respond to the good news is we are responding out of that, that faith of God that, that, that is deposited and translated when we hear the truth. So, Father, I'm pausing because it is really a Selah moment when you begin to realize that the world is a friendly place now, okay? Socially, what about the enemy? What about sin? What about all these things? Well, the word of God says that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he has been given all power and all authority, that he sits enthroned above every power, every principality, every ruler of darkness. In Colossians, it says that, that all things are held together in him. And so I just want to say this about the enemy and this about sin. Instead of focusing on the enemy and focusing on what he's doing and focusing on the sin in people's lives, how about we focus on the cross? How about we focus on what Jesus has accomplished? Why don't we focus and get enthralled and get obsessed with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the goodness of what Jesus has already done? I will tell you, when what you, what you focus on begins to manifest. And when we focus on unrighteousness and we focus on sin and we focus on the enemy, guess what begins to dominate? Guess what begins to manifest? Because the enemy has no authority except the authority that the church gives him, except those of us who have believed, who are operating out of the place of sonship and oneness with God. We cannot give him an inch. We must continually think on things that are lovely and pure and of good report. We must absolutely 
pray without ceasing. What does that mean? It means that we're just completely enthralled and focused on the goodness of God, upon the gospel, upon what Jesus has accomplished. And I will tell you, you will raise up into a different level in the spirit and you will accomplish things on accident that you could never accomplish in your, in your focus on what is wrong with people and what is wrong on the planet. I'll tell you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and there is a lot more going on in the spirit from heaven's vantage point. There's a lot more with us than be a against us. I'm telling you, we are a victorious church. We have been given the name of Jesus to advance, to hold, and to recover all. We are in a part of an expanding government of God. We are a part of the the move of God on the planet right now. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his heart. We have his mind, and we are here to represent the love of God. We are here to represent the power of God and heal the sick and preach. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within, and we are here to absolutely transform this planet. And as long as we are focused on what the devil is doing, as long as we're focused on what the sin is happening and all these things in people's lives that Jesus came to already eradicate, we will have missed it. You know, if you've ever seen the movie Tomorrowland, it's worth watching. It's worth watching. I know it's Disney and people all say all kinds of things about Disney, but I'm telling you, God uses the ungodly. God uses those that don't know him to prophetically declare a lot of things. And in that movie, it's basically uh, the, the, the movie's point is that human beings are actually powerful. And the vision that we have for the future is the one that is going to manifest as people who are created in God's image when we see the negative and we think the world is getting darker and we are seeing nothing but destruction and death and, and negativity, well, that's where the world will go. In fact, in the movie, kind of the heroine is someone who just doesn't believe it. And, and what happens is, is that she ends up being the one that fixes it because she begins to doubt the narrative. She begins to doubt the, the, the idea that the kingdom of darkness is more powerful than the kingdom of God. It's not what they're saying in the movie, but that's, that's basically what I'm saying, that the church has got to wake up and we've got to be more obsessed and more focused on what God is doing and the ever-expanding authority of Jesus Christ than we are with whatever the kingdom of darkness is advancing through the agreement of human beings. We need to get an agreement with the gospel. We need to get an agreement with the things that are pure and lovely and a good report, that we are more than conquerors, that we are called to always triumph. I mean, it's not except when the Antichrist comes or except when so-and-so is in political offices. Church, we have to wake up. We have to wake up and we have to know the gospel. We have to live in union with Jesus and we have to do the same works that Jesus did. This is our hour. This is our time. This is our time to love unconditionally, to love people into the kingdom to serve them. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. And who did he serve? He served sinners. He served people that crucified him. He served people that that accused him of being demonic. He served the very ones that ended up murdering him. Now, granted, he laid his life down, but I'm just saying, like, we have got to get out of the business of, of us and them. And we have got to serve, 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 serve the world, serve our cities and transform them, transform them with the knowledge of the glory, the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory that is within us. And let's see hmm, heaven manifest through our lives. Now, I have not been looking at comments. I have not been doing anything except preaching full bore here to the, to the, <laughs> to, to my screen. Um, and I will tell you, um, so many things, so many things that I've said here. So I'm just kind of going through comments here. Um, but here's how I, I just want to wrap today, beloved. Um, you are more powerful than you've imagined. The Christ in you is the Christ that was crucified. It is the Christ. It is the Jesus Christ that overcame death. It's the Jesus Christ that we read about in Revelation chapter one, who holds the keys of hell and death in his hand. He is the one the, the preeminent one now that is so above anything and everything. And it is time that we exalt the one who has won it all. And as we do that and we begin to manifest heaven through our lives and we begin to see the miraculous and see key, the kingdom come and see 
lives transformed and, and, and sickness bowing and all kinds of signs and wonders coming through our life. Why? Because the one who lives inside of us is still working, is still moving. That as Jesus is, so are we in this world, that Jesus is moving through our lives. As we do that, signs and wonders and miracles will follow us and people will know that our message is not just a message of love and reconciliation, but it is a message of power. And what the world needs, guys, is a real encounter with God, a real encounter with love, a real encounter with non-judgment and the victory that Jesus has purchased. So I've said a whole lot today. It's definitely a message worth listening to more than once. And it's definitely a message worth going and into the scriptures and beginning to unpack what the epistles say. You know, I, I can't tell you how much I'm grieved by so many things that I hear in church today or in, you know, on podcasts or things, because I mean, we're not even in the new Testament in most of it. We're, we're using old scripture, old Testament scriptures, and, and we're relating to God from a place that is, is pre-cross or if it's post-cross, it's still separate from God. It's still not in union with Jesus. And I see so many believers struggling, 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 struggling to prosper, struggling to be healed, struggling to know God, struggling to hear his voice, struggling to find out their purpose, struggling to, 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 to all different areas. And they're struggling apart from God, struggling trying to get God to move in their situation regular reg, rather than realizing that they're already complete that they have been they have they have an inheritance that is in jesus it's invisible but as we hear god and do what he says as we are hearers and doers and, and, and led by the spirit the seen realm adjusts the seen realm moves and so there's just so much confusion but this message these scriptures are worth making your own this has to become your revelation you have to personally experience your union with God, which obviously is why we've created a merge school of transformation because our, we're on assignment here in, in our ministry to transfigure the body of Christ, to transfigure the cities, to make the glory of God that is hidden within, that is hidden, but yet there, to make the mystery known among the Gentiles, among those that don't know God. We want to make the mystery of Jesus available to everyone because it is available inside of them. Not, not God is not, what do we want to say? God is, God is not sin focused. He is love focused. He is love obsessed and he is in love with the prodigals and he's in love with the religious. He's in love and love and love and love. He is the father of us all. We live and move and have our being in him. And it is time to wake up, church. It is time to wake up and start changing the world. Start transforming this earth so that the glory of Jesus Christ is made visible. So that people have a tangible Jesus that they can touch, that they can feel because they know you. That they, they will be able to say that when I have seen you, I have seen the Father. That when I have seen you, I have seen Jesus. And beloved, that's the truth, whether or not you're operating in it or not yet. So believe the gospel. Repent, repent, repent of separation from God. Repent from believing uh, anything but things that are lovely and pure and of good report about your neighbors. Love our neighbors. Love the people that God has put in our lives, the unbelievers at our workplaces, the unbelievers at the grocery store. Love them. Demonstrate the love of God everywhere you go. Demonstrate the generosity of God to people that don't deserve it. Heck, we none of us deserve it. Let's, let's love those that don't deserve it, because guess what? That would be all of us. But God said we are deserving. God said we are worthy. And he made the decision before the foundation of the world to redeem us. So let's get it straight. Let's get outside of time. And let's start to see people as though they're already saved. Let's start to see them as they're already believing. Let's start to pray from a place that it is already done, that they're already converted, that they already have heard the gospel, that the, the God of this world uh, has been completely cast down in their lives, that, that, that they are no longer alienated in their own thinking. And God, let's, you know, guys, let's get into that place of believing the best about people like love does. 
you know, not keeping a record of wrongs and walking in forgiveness because we are forgiven. We are, we forgive because we're forgiven. We are in a perpetual state of forgiveness and let's forgive. Let's forgive. Let's forgive the world. Let's forgive those that, that don't know Jesus. And let's love, let's love, let's make it our main aim, let's make it our main purpose to let the love of God flow through us, to let the love of God constrain us, to let the fruit of the Spirit be the character that is manifesting through our life as we abide in Christ. Let's let our joy be contagious. Let's let our our love and our joy and our peace be contagious. We are the answer, guys, that people are looking for, not personally, but the Christ in us, the Jesus in us loves sacrificially, lays down his life for those that don't deserve it. And guys, we are we, we have got to stop making people the enemy and we have got to love. Love costs something and it costs us our pride. It costs us our judgment. It costs our, our opinion of ourselves being better than someone who has yet to know what we know. It is so, I mean, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for that we have whew, the Holy Spirit, that we, we have the knowledge of the glory. And so God bless you guys. And as always, if you want to find out about doing Emerge, you want to find out about you know, experiencing this transfigured life, this place where you hear God on demand, this place where you are operating the things that I'm sharing today, we'll sign up for a breakthrough call, get on there. Uh, We're happy to share with you about the call. We're happy to talk to you practically about what it means to step into all of this, what it means to lay down your life for the cause of the king, to lay down your life for your destiny and for what God has planned to do through you. Uh, We are seeing amazing things every single day in in the program. We're seeing incredible breakthrough, incredible miracles, incredible transformations. And we are here to serve you in that capacity and here to help you, help you believe God for everything that you need uh, to surrender and fulfill your purpose. So God bless you. Have an amazing day. We love you. We love you. We're praying for you. We're standing for the fullness of you. And we see you. We we will not come into agreement with a, a version of you that is not fully integrated with Jesus Christ. So love you. Have a blessed day, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.